Hey guys, and welcome back to Give Me the Creeps with Abby and Daniela. Hey guys. Sorry for missing last week, but this week we are back, and uh, I hope that everyone is doing well and taking care of themselves. Yes, ma'am. Winter depression is almost over. We can we can make it to the spring, springtime. Spring. So Daniela has a birthday this week. I sure do. We are recording the day before her birthday, but y'all will be hearing this the day after her birthday. And that phrasing definitely reminds me of those riddles that are like, if Carol needed to get there by noon and leave three <laughs> hours before yoga, then when will she be there? And the question like throws it in somewhere, like infers when yoga is. Anyways, math. Math. I hate it. I never liked, like, why do I just, don't give me a roundabout way to do this. Like, come on. Word. Anyways. <laughs> Happy birthday, you fine woman, you. How are you feeling? I feel old. Mm. Old and wait, speaking of feeling old, (laughs) I felt young and spry the other day because I was remembering um, that I'm going to go visit you and... Mm -hmm. Well then, so that was that and this is this (laughs) and it's your birthday and yes, we're very happy. Go shawty. It's <sighs> we should go. We should go out. I haven't been out in years. I haven't been out in a really long time too. Like out, out, yeah. No, honestly, yeah, I haven't been out in a long time. Yeah. Hey, but mm. all right. Well, I'm ready for you to. Oh yeah. Okay. <clears throat> oh, so yeah. <laughs> I was like, "What are we doing here?" No, I'm just playing. Okay. I'm ready for you to give me the creeps. God, you are definitely going to get the creeps with this because it is devastating and just gross all around. Okay, so I mentioned math earlier and I poked fun, but in reality, this case that I'm talking about today is just devastating. There was a loss of a friend, mentor, community member, daughter, older sister, but her favorite thing that she was and um, what she was throwing her all into was being a math teacher. Oh. So today I'll be covering what happened to the sweet and kind Miss Colleen Ritzer. Okay, her name does not ring a bell. Uh, The case might. So like I said, today's case is extremely disturbing. So trigger warning ahead of time, sexual assault, graphic material. In Essex County, Massachusetts, about 20 miles northeast of Boston, lies a town named Danvers. It was originally known as Salem Village and the witch trials happened here. But this crime certainly puts the town on the map for different reasons. The Danvers High School is home of the Falcons and has about 100 teachers for about 1,000 students. Its motto is, ladies and gentlemen, always. What? Yeah, it's cute. Like, always be little ladies and gentlemen. It's cute. Isn't it? Is it weird? Maybe it's like old school because it's like Massachusetts and stuff. So, And it's a public school? Yes. That's interesting. I would, I would have like assume that would be like a motto for a private school. For a hundred teachers and a thousand students, I mean, it's kind of a small. Maybe it is a private. No, oh, I think I it's guess, a public school. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that was a dumb thing to get hung up on. But <laughs> no, you're head. fine. That's a good question. Valid questions. Colleen Ritzer taught algebra to ninth grade students with enthusiasm and joy, and she was born in May of 1989 in Lawrence. 
Massachusetts. She grew up with a true admiration for education due to her idolizing her preschool teacher who so easily opened the minds of children, keeping them interested in learning. Her hunger for teaching grew strongest once she was a senior at Assumption College in 2011. She decided she would be a teacher. While student teaching, her talents were clearly demonstrated as she helped kids struggling in math. Students could actually grasp concepts when she would break them down and explain them her way, and students thought she was so nice and very helpful. The feeling she got when she could see that they got it made her feel so full of purpose. Her passion was recognized as she tweeted about being excited for math and carrying that energy every single day at work while connecting with students. Colleen was big on family and stayed close to her younger brother, Dan, and little sister, Laura. Her parents, Peggy and Tom, felt successful in raising in the raising of their children as they had been complimented many times. Kindness was their strength. In 2012, she began teaching at Danvers, and students easily saw her as a mentor, even if they hated math. Countless students recall how she said, yay, every math class at least once. Oh, my God. <laughs> Forward to October uh, October 22nd, 2013, Colleen had classes till 2.30 and would stay after to help students prepare for tests or do some extra tutoring. At 2.54 p.m., she goes to the bathroom on her floor. After school wrapped for the day at 4 p.m., Colleen could not be reached, and she still lived with her parents, so they began to worry. The 24-year-old woman had not been seen. However, her car was still in the school parking lot. Her parents called around, and when there were no answers, they called the police and reported her missing. It would come to be known that someone else was missing from the school as well. Wait, I think now I know what this is. Mm, Gosh. Diana Chisholm had recently relocated from Tennessee with her son to Danvers. His parents were going through a divorce, and although he didn't want to move, he had to. Diana's son, Philip, was born January 21st, 1999, and he grew up playing sports and playing them pretty well. However, he hated being here, and he felt as though no one could relate to him. He was new, and he felt alone. So he had moved that previous summer from Tennessee to uh, Danvers, Massachusetts, and he just felt so out of place and didn't you know, find a group of friends right away. He was just kind of alone, and uh, he just always looked very somber, according to other people. The following is the sequence of events as told by Chisholm, as well as CCTV footage and school surveillance. On October 22, 2013, the fall semester day went as usual with class winding down towards the end of the day. Chisholm had been drawing in his notebook instead of taking notes, but rather than scold him, Miss Ritzer stated, I didn't know you draw, and complimented him before requesting he stay after school to help prep for an upcoming exam. The 14-year-old agreed. However, as they chatted, he grew visibly upset, recalled the student. Ritzer had mentioned his move from Tennessee. She changed the subject when she saw his reaction. Chisholm began muttering to himself. Whether this triggered a random act of violence is not likely, you see, because that morning, the newly installed security cameras on campus captured 14-year-old Chisholm arrive at school with several bags. He placed them in his locker and went about his day as usual. 
Colleen Ritzer is seen chatting with a fellow teacher who happens to be wearing a matching outfit to hers. Maybe it was like um, spirit day or something because Mm -hmm. the the teachers are chatting and they're both wearing a purple shirt. It was cute. So she then heads to the bathroom before she uh, was to begin her after school tutor session. And it was 2.54 PM. Chisholm is seen coming out of the classroom right after her, ducking back into another classroom to pull his hood over his head. He follows the teacher and puts on gloves as he goes into the girl's bathroom where they were alone for 11 minutes. Yeah, this is, he's 14. Keep in mind. So he's 14 and he is going to school. Like he's in school right now. The fact that like a child could commit such a crime is one thing, but to capture all of the surveillance footage has made this case all the more chilling. So Mm At 3.07 p.m., Chisholm is caught on camera leaving the bathroom with a hood over his head. He leaves the building to the student parking lot and returns with a white t-shirt. He goes into the classroom and comes out at 3.11 p.m. with a red hoodie um, and with with the hood on his head and returns to the bathroom at 3.16, pulling a recycling bin. At 3.22, he comes out in the white t-shirt and a black ski mask, and he pulls the bin toward an elevator and gets in. He's captured pulling the bin outside of the school. Footage shows him coming back into the school at 4 p.m., and by 4.04, he was seen in a black shirt and glasses and carrying jeans. He goes back into the bathroom and left the school right after that. When he wasn't at soccer practice, police were notified that he was still missing as it grew dark. A search was conducted, and at 12.30 a.m., police found Chisholm walking on a nearby highway. I think it was like a safety. uh, Somebody called it in because it was a child walking along the highway. And so when they they found him, they searched his person, and they found a knife and a bloodied box cutter. They asked where the blood was from, and he said, the girl. Oh, my God. Now, no one enjoys these facts, but knowing all that he did to her before and after her murder is important and justice uh, for justice to be served for all crimes committed against this woman. But I will warn again the graphic material to come and what was done to this woman is is just very uh, brutal. He had Ritzer's credit cards, her driver's license, and her underwear in his backpack, and he was placed under arrest. And her underwear. Jesus. Yeah. So he disclosed that she was in some woods. And when police found Colleen, the recycling bin was nearby, and it was a horrific nightmare that they walked walked up on. The authorities would come to find out several details through forensics and the investigation itself. It appeared he had followed Ritzer into the girl's bathroom and slit her throat from behind. After being in there for a short time, he left, returning around 10 minutes later with the recycling bin and wearing different clothes. He left the restroom wearing a black ski mask and with her body in the bin. He left the building with the bear, with the bin, and he was in the woods for around half an hour because that's when he seemed to return to the school. He was carrying bloody jeans. He changed clothes and went back to his locker and then to the scene of the crime in the restroom and then left the school. He went to watch a Woody Allen film called Blue Jasmine and got some food using her credit cards. Oh, my God. I think his mom uh, reported him missing when he wasn't home when he was supposed to. And then uh, hours after that is when Ritzer's parents reported her missing as well. And since she lived with her parents, they knew something was up right away. When they found her credit cards and underwear, he said that he found those items. And when they didn't believe that, he tried to say he took them from her car. What the fuck? However, the surveillance had already been looked over by 11.45 p.m. before he was even picked up on the highway. I was going to say, why yeah. did they not first look at that? But Yes. 
And wait, yeah, the surveillance is a whole thing. So uh, we'll go over that. But um, yeah, so he was a suspect even before they knew where he was or anything. So um, there was blood in the bathroom also, like, uh, and the custodians literally just cleaned it. Like they just cleaned it up. What the fuck? So we'll discuss that as well. Um, apparently there was like a language barrier and, you know, he just, uh, he, he did his job so he could go home, you know, but Ritzer's yeah. bag, the bloodied bin and the bloodied clothing were found near the cross country path in the woods behind the school. Hours later, her body was found in some woods near the school and she was naked from the waist down. Her body was sexually staged. Oh my goodness. She was found under leaves with a three-foot branch sticking out of her. Out of her? Like how? He had sexually assaulted her with the branch. Oh my god. Yeah. And there were uh, bloody white gloves on the ground. And nearby was a note that read, I hate you all. Holy. Philip Chisholm was indicted for the murder, aggravated rape, and armed robbery of Colleen Ritzer. He was tried as an adult on February 26th. 2016, and he was sentenced to serve at least 40 years in prison. During the trial, his lawyers had attempted to say he was not competent, but he was found to be confident, competent. And then they tried to say that he was going through some kind of episode and that he couldn't control a sudden urge. But seeing how the crime played out and on more than one occasion, how he completely was coherent in what he was doing and the fact that he brought all the changes of clothes and the weapons and the mask plus the gloves found near her body it just shows that he planned it right it was puzzling that he did not show strong signs of committing such a crime besides his antisocial behavior he was he just wasn't aggressive scary that this was right under the surface deep inside of a 14 year old boy was a killer dr eugene barrison a professor of psychiatry at harvard medical and specialist in adolescent psychiatry at the clay center at massachusetts general hospital said that such cases were off the charts rare i personally have never seen anything like this in the hundreds of cases i've had and the thousands of cases i've supervised he said most kids who commit violent acts have a history a history of something of impulsivity of mood disorders or of abuse and neglect dr barrison said I see kids every day who have witnessed the most horrifying sexual and physical abuse, for example, or have been abused themselves, but they don't do this. Any number of internal factors such as a percolating psychosis or a neurological condition or external factors such as abuse could be involved, he said. It is also possible, he added, that a motive may never be discerned. Robert C. LaBarge Jr., a state trooper, wrote in the court papers released Friday that he believed Mr. Chisholm planned the crime because he went to school armed with a box cutter, a baklava ski mask, and uh, gloves, and several changes of clothes. A baklava? That's what the ski mask is. It's like it covers, it only has the eyes. I thought it was called something else. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) It's a kind of mask. Um,. But uh, I didn't find this detail in other sources, but I will mention it that it's a possibility that he recorded what he was doing as he was doing it on his phone. I almost called you babe. It's not a baklava. <laughs> it's a balaclava. <laughs> oh, God. I, was, I read that. So baklava is that tasty Turkish dessert, isn't it? It is. Excuse me, guys. That is the wrong place to mess something up i'm you, so sorry i would have like i read it so quick balaclava yes there it is Balaclava. 
I just I just read it. I was just reading. I did not even good call. <laughs> but baklava is also holler because that's good. But anyways, yes. Um. So only on Daily Mail did I find this that it says student fourteen who raped and murdered his teacher filmed the attack on his cell phone, then smashed it to destroy the evidence. Why would you film it then? Like what the exactly fuck? exactly um. Right. He really thought he wasn't going to get caught. I have no idea. But it says here, the 14-year-old Massachusetts student who allegedly raped and brutally murdered his high school teacher may have filmed the horrific crime on his phone before smashing it to pieces to conceal the evidence prosecutors revealed today. And this article is from January 2014. And detectives are currently trying to retrieve data from Philip Chisholm's Samsung smartphone which they found badly mangled in the woods outside danvers high school near the body of teacher colleen ritzer but if he didn't uh record anything on it he could have just destroyed it so that they couldn't track him or you know find him or something yeah i guess that's true who who knows um it says it is not unusual for individuals involved in homicides particularly sexually violent homicides to memorialize their victims deaths through photographic audio and or video media for further humiliation of the victim or later viewing for guilt relief or for enjoyment Massachusetts State Police Detective Stephen J. Buccieri wrote in newly released documents, according to the Boston Herald, police found Chisholm's cell phone and Ritzer's iPhone both crushed in the woods. They believe he destroyed both phones in an effort to conceal what he had done. Officers also believe Chisholm returning to the school barefoot and changed out of his bloody clothes and into his soccer uniform. He then dumped his soiled clothes, walked around the school soccer fields and went to see Blue Jasmine, yada, yada. So yeah, he was a grand jury charged him with a second count of aggravated rape and revealed that he had raped her before murdering her and then dumping her body with a large tree branch sticking uh, from her genitals. Oh Prosecutors believe Philip Chisholm forced Colleen Ritzer to have sex with him after dragging her into a teacher's bathroom. See, this is where it's incorrect because no, it's in the footage that she went in first and he just happened to follow her in and no one was in there. But right. get this. Um. Somebody walked in. Oh, uh, I think I somebody saw. Yeah, somebody saw. But they saw him, or they thought it was students having sex, right? It was a a young girl. She went into the girl's bathroom and oh, she yeah, saw. She yeah, she saw a pile of of clothes on the ground and then saw somebody's rear end. So she thought somebody was changing. Oh. So she left, but it was probably when he was um, assaulting her. Uh, that's where I don't know the details as to if she, because also she was strangled and stabbed a few times. So at at some point she died, but it's believed that she bled out in the woods oh so that God, she was so barely she was alive. alive. There's a possibility oh. that she was alive. And that's the most disgusting part of this whole thing is yeah everything that he did to her. And, um, so, so yeah, we're going to get to, to more of that in a second, but, um, here we go. So where did I put it? Because yeah, she panicked and then she just left, but, um, she didn't, she just saw like a pile of clothes. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Let me just read straight from boston.com. Cause it says, Okay, yeah, this is a good one to... Okay, so since we were already discussing it, 
Boston.com prosecutor Philip Chisholm had a goal in brutal murder rape of teacher. Prosecutors and defense attorneys gave their closing statements in the murder trial of Philip Chisholm. Now jurors will decide if the 16-year-old was criminally responsible for his teacher's killing, which we already know the outcome of that. But this is when they tried to say he didn't know what he was doing, which of course Mm -hmm. is ridiculous. So Philip Chisholm wasn't crazy when he killed Colleen Ritzer. The lead prosecutor in his murder trial told jurors Monday he was focused and unwavering from his horrible plan to take what he wanted. He had a goal, as Six County Assistant District Attorney Kate McDougall said, a terrible, terrible purpose, and he played it out in the woods, and he didn't care what came after that. Ritzer, who was 24 in her second year teaching at Danvers High School when she died, was found outside the school nearly naked, legs propped up, and spread a tree branch inside of her. Oh, my goodness. The slash wounds on her neck were so deep, her vertebrae was chipped. Oh my god. So he went full psychopath, like um, just disgusting. So over nearly 90 minutes Monday, just like they had in 13 days of testimony, jurors heard the competing views of who Chisholm was on October 22nd, 2013, the day he killed, raped, and robbed his math teacher. He was a boy. Was he a boy in the throes of psychosis? psychosis who couldn't help but listen to the commanding voice in his head or was he a malicious destructive teenager who is faking mental illness only after getting caught at stake is whether chisholm now 16 spends decades in a state mental hospital or an adult prison eight men and four women deliberated for more than three hours monday afternoon before going home for the night they will return tuesday morning at 9 a.m chisholm in a suit and slightly crooked tie watched it all both the attorney trying to save him and the one who says he's a liar he watched himself on screen the day of the murder as McDougal attributed his every movement to his ultimate goal. His defense attorneys say he was psychotic. Why else would a kind, smart, good-natured 14-year-old commit these terrible acts? His attorney, um, Denise Reagan, asked. In a soft voice, voice apologizing for consulting her notes, Reagan painted a picture of a boy untethered, uprooted from his home in Tennessee, thrust into a school in town where he knew no one and had no place to hide. What other What other than an overpowering mental illness could cause Philip Chisholm to do these acts? She pointed to the defense expert witness, Dr. Richard Dudley, who has spent decades evaluating kids and teens with severe mental illness. He believes Chisholm heard voices since he was 10. Another psychiatrist treating Chisholm this fall apparently agreed. Reagan said diagnosing him as psychotic and depressed and prescribing him an antipsychotic medication. When Philip Chisholm followed Miss Ritzer into the bathroom, he was not only himself, Reagan said, He was not a kind, he was not himself. He was not a kind, smart 14 year old boy. He was responding to the terrible command hallucinations in his head. He didn't choose to do this. Jurors again saw those chilling videos of Chisholm following Ritter into the girl's bathroom. McDougal nearly yelling at times, yet her voice still wavering with emotion, walked them through Chisholm's movements, checking his pocket for the box cutter, putting his hoodie on, donning the gloves, opening the bathroom door. But all those images, while they showed deliberate permediate, Premediation, she said, don't matter as much as one. The only still image that matters in this case is the image of Colleen in the woods, McDougal said, the image that the defendant painted of Colleen, stripped, battered, and brutalized and violated. Chisholm's backpack in the school ID was placed nearby, not a sign of irrationality, like his lawyer said, but instead McDougal argued a terrible signature to his crime. For the first time, McDougal suggested that Ritzer didn't die in the second floor girl's bathroom, but in the woods where her body was found. So in this is um, this is the yeah in uh, in the woods with the branch is when she was dying. Oh, instead of he because they her out of the 
trash can? Recycling bin. Yeah, he took her body out of the recycling bin and then just like threw the bin somewhere and threw her clothes somewhere. And that's why her body was found last. Golly. It was like a bunch of disturbing <clears throat> clues laying around. There was the bathroom and then there was the, the cross-country path and then finally the woods. So this is arguing, I guess, to make the, not to make the case sound worse. The case is already terrible, but to put the idea in the juror's head that Colleen might have still been alive and he had any, at any point he could have turned around and took her to the hospital or, you know, something, but he didn't. So uh, there was a chance that she, that she was not still alive until her body was found in the woods. So why else, McDougal asked, was Chisholm so intent that afternoon on getting a friend away from the girl's bathroom where he'd just attacked Ritzer because he thought she might cry or crawl out, she said. He doesn't think he's a killer, that he's killed her yet, McDougal said, and I suggest t- to you that he hadn't. Ritzer was incapacitated but not dead. When she got to the woods, McDougal said that's where he carved those deep wounds, she said, and finished his sexual assault. We know Philip Chisholm didn't get to finish what he started in the bathroom because he was interrupted. Finishing what he started and taking what he wanted seemed to be the theme of McDougal's closing. Oh, yeah. And then when he shoplifted a knife from a BJ's wholesale club hours after the attack, um, after he left the movie theater, he stole that knife that they ended up finding on him with the box cutter. So... um, so he stole it after the attack, carefully avoiding the store workers. It was just another example of Philip Chisholm doing and getting what Ch- Philip Chisholm wants. So I'm wondering if he was going to kill somebody else. Anyways, mm-hmm. McDougal didn't spend much time refuting the defense expert's testimony, nearly all of which she said relied on Chisholm's own accounts. She noted that the jurors won't have the same luxury. We hope that the world is predictable, McDougal said, that there's an explanation for why something terrible happens. There is not one single person in this courtroom who wants to believe that a 14-year-old boy could have done this and not be crazy, McDougal said. But doing something so awful does not make you crazy. I guess, yeah, he's just a monster. This is one of those things where you think, are people born evil because he has no... I don't know if he's killed any animals, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, His mom would know that stuff, but this was just so... This was very drastic for his first big, you know, red flag. Yeah. Woo. And there's more where that came from. Let me see. Um, Plus, while being locked up, he attacked another woman. Of course he did. Uh, So we're going to get into that. Like a CEO or what? Yes. So um, real quick, let me wrap up on the the trial. I'm going to take it over to New York Post, which once again, who knows what's what's going to pop out detail-wise, um, but I'll correct it if it's incorrect. A teenager who was blah, blah, blah. Um, t- okay, here it is. Okay, Chisholm was 14 when he followed Ritzer into a school bathroom, strangled her, and stabbed her at least 16 times and raped her. So this is where we're seeing the detail of uh, that he stabbed her. So then the blood would have been just like too crazy in there, no? I mean, you would think it would be. This is why I'm like, I don't know. Because they said, okay, he slit her throat from behind is what it seems happened. But then other places it's saying, like, no, she was stabbed and strangled. And uh, she was for sure raped. But we don't know if it was before he stabbed her, you know, after. Which doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. But it's just horrible. So he will serve life in prison with the possibility of parole in 25 years on a murder charge. He received 40-year concurrent sentences on rape and robbery charges. 
Her parents, siblings, colleagues, and lifelong friends on Friday described a young woman who loved her job, her students, and life, and who never had a negative word to say. Many of them wore pink, her favorite color. Peggy Ritzer said her daughter's death had left her so very broken. Now I isolate myself from people I love because pretending to be happy is so difficult, she said. He is pure evil, and evil can never be rehabilitated. Tom Ritzer said he felt like he had failed his daughter. I didn't protect Colleen. A dad's job is to fix things. He said, I would do anything if I could fix this for Colleen. Mm-hmm. Prosecutors had asked if he stay in prison for at least 50 years. Defense attorney Susan Oker asked for a sentence that would make Chisholm eligible for parole no later than age 40. She cited scientific studies that said juvenile brain is not fully developed. A statement expressing her condolences to Richard's family. Words cannot express the amount of pain and sorrow these past two and a half years have been. She said, um, oh, this is Chisholm's mom. Chisholm's mother, Diane, cried quietly as he was sentenced. Earlier Friday, she released a statement expressing her condolences. Words cannot express the amount of pain and sorrow these past two and a half years have been, she said. However, there is no one who has suffered more than the Ritzer family. My utmost esteem, prayers, and humble respect is with them today as they continue their journey to heal. At trial, the defense admitted Chisholm killed Ritzer, but said he was suffering from severe mental illness and wasn't criminally responsible for his actions. A psychiatrist who testified for the defense said Chisholm, who had just moved to Massachusetts from Clarksville, Tennessee, was hearing voices and in the throes of a psychotic episode when he killed Ritzer. Chisholm was convicted of raping Ritzer inside the bathroom, but was acquitted of a second rape committed with a tree branch in the woods near the school where Chisholm put her body. He was also convicted of armed robbery for stealing her credit cards and underwear. And, um, then while he was, while he was locked up, um, Philip Chisholm charged with killing a teacher faces separate attempted murder charge. And this is an article, um, July 24th, 2014 CNN. Philip Chisholm, a 15 year old Massachusetts boy accused of raping and killing his math teacher in high school bathroom was arraigned. Wednesday on attempted murder charges stemming from a separate attack on a female youth services clinician. Prosecutors laid out a narrative of what they said was the defendant's intent to murder a female employee last month at the Dorchester Department of Youth Services facility where Chisholm is being held pending trial. So this is in between. So as they're trying to defend him during the trial and stuff, he's attacking other women. So clearly, so he's being held pending trial. The Suffolk County District Attorney's Office said a judge set bail at 250000 and ordered Chisholm to not have contact with witnesses, including the victim. He is to appear in court September 19th, and an automatic, not a youthful offender plea was entered on his behalf. Assistant District Attorney Mark Zanini said that on June 2nd, Chisholm was in the facility's main room, which is bordered by a low wall. A staff member was seated at a station behind the wall, able to look down the down into the room. Behind the staffer was a hallway used by staff. Zanini said that Chisholm had refused to attend classes while in custody. Instead, Chisholm was instructed to sit and study at a table in the open room. Despite a rule that he can sit at the table closest to his room, Chisholm allegedly sat at a table that provided him a view of the hallway behind the staffer, the student, the statement said. At some point, the 29-year-old female victim, whom Chisholm had known for several months, walked down the hallway and entered a bathroom inside a staff locker room, according to the statement. Chisholm was confident the other staffer was distracted and kicked off his sandals, which would have made noise on the floor, before moving toward the hallway in a crouch that kept him out of the staffer's view. 
Shut the fuck up. That is the scariest thing I've ever heard. He took his sandals off. He was crouched on the ground like, ugh. Chisholm had a pencil in his hand and opened the door to the locker room, according to the statement. When the female clinician came out of the bathroom, Chisholm stared at her from about a foot away, placed both hands around her neck, and began to choke her while pushing her back against the cinder block wall in the bathroom. The victim was unable to scream because Chisholm's hands tightly gripped her throat. When she managed to get his right hand away from her neck, Chisholm punched her in the face, head, and jaw. She screamed as other staffers rushed to help her and restrain him. The victim suffered bruises to her face, jaw, and head, along with a scratch on the back on her back consistent with a tear in her shirt that appeared to be from the pencil Chisholm carried, um, according to the statement. Chisholm was charged with attempted murder by strangulation, assault with intent to murder, kidnapping, and two counts of assault and battery with a dangerous weapon, a pencil, and the cinder block, cinder block wall. Chisholm's attorney, Denise Reagan, declined to comment. Oh, she's not going to be standing up for him no more. Mm. Chisholm is also accused of killing his algebra teacher, Colleen Ritzer. Chisholm, 14 at the time, used a box cutter he had taken to school to kill Ritzer in October 2013. Yep. So um, Chisholm pled not guilty to aggravated rape, robbery, and murder in January, and he's being tried as an adult. After Chisholm was reported to miss missing, blah, blah, blah. Chisholm's case for the alleged assault on the youth services worker is scheduled for a pretrial conference on September 19th, but his presence for that event has been waived, according to the statement. Gosh. Mm-hmm. That, can you imagine, like, thinking, okay, yeah, this kid is in here, whatever. Let me just go to the bathroom real quick. You turn around and he's standing there. Yeah, fuck like, all of that. That is so horrible. I feel so bad for her. That's trauma right there. But I am happy she survived because... The fact that he would wait, and he knows, like, women are going to the bathroom. They're probably by themselves. Yeah. Oh, that is just, that's the same kind of thing that he just did again, pretty much. Yeah, that's, yeah. So, um, this is all an ongoing nightmare to this day because um, it's not over. So, let me take it over to another article. Let's go to Boston 25 News. Parents of murdered Danvers teacher Colleen Ritzer fight to keep wrongful death lawsuit alive. Um, let me go ahead and use this other article, actually. I use WCVB, Judge Roll's family of slain Danvers teacher Colleen Ritzer. They can proceed with this lawsuit. So, the other one was just bringing up the lawsuit, but let me just read this one. Danvers, Massachusetts. The family of a Danvers high school's teacher who was raped and killed um, pers- at this time may proceed with a wrongful death lawsuit against the architect of the school. A superior court judge has ruled Colleen Ritzer was killed inside Danvers high school in 2013. Philip Chisholm uh, was the murderer and he was later sentenced. Denisco design partners designed the new school wing where Ritzer was killed, which was supposed to have a state of the art security system. Lawrence superior court justice, John T. Liu said, it is up to the jury to decide if Denisco breached its duty of care by failing to clearly notify the town that the technology would never function correctly. The court found that the plaintiff's theories on why technology's shortcomings mattered warrant presentation to a jury. There is a there is record evidence that both before and after October 2013, there were numerous problems with the system, the judge wrote. Denisco was told early on by at least two subcontractors, American Service Company and Wayne Griffin Electric, that the system software would not work properly with the school's existing hardware. Chisholm had stayed after school in October for the help 
block period when teachers were available to assist students. Surveillance video played for jurors during Chisholm's trial showed Chisholm following Ritzer into the bathroom after pulling the hood of his sweatshirt over his head and putting on gloves. Chisholm had just moved, blah, 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 blah. So what they're saying is, I guess, that the the surveillance could have saved her. I don't know. Yeah, but I don't know. That's weird. Um, I get if they want to. I thought that they were suing because there wasn't someone actively watching the cameras. So then what's the purpose of the camera, you know? Yeah. Um, let me see if this other thing says. They're su- yeah, Thomas and Peggy Ritzer are suing Danisco Design Partnership, alleging the state-of-the-art video surveillance system installed did not protect her. Um, so much of the crime was recorded on a brand new surveillance system. Yeah, it had just been installed. So that's what's so weird about this whole thing. Um, it says much of the crime was recorded and it was that video that helped convict Chisholm, but the Richards say that the system was not working properly on the day of the murder and that no one was monitoring the system in real time. There it is. So no, no alerts were sent. Um, that could have helped her because it was such a wide expansive time. You know, her injuries might have not been lethal to the point of like immediate death. So yeah, I absolutely can see what, why they'd be upset. Um, the designers of that system say it was working properly and the town chose not to have someone monitor the cameras. The designers are asking a judge to throw out the lawsuit, but no, the, as we just read, um, he chose to keep the lawsuit going so that the, uh, the jury can decide. Right. But, um, yeah, but their lawyers told us that they are pursuing this lawsuit in an attempt to make the school safer for others. Oh, okay. So they're not really being spiteful about it. They're just like, well, you know, this can prevent this from happening in the future. Right. They just want to make sure that the systems that say they are going to provide these video surveillance systems are there to prevent, not just to capture and see what happened after the fact, but to be able to respond to the events as they are happening. There we go. So that teachers and students are safe, said Richard's attorney, Daniel Murphy. A Lawrence Superior Court judge has taken the matter under advisement. And as we just uh, heard, they are going to keep the, the lawsuit going. So I'm not, it's as of June of last year. So maybe we'll hear any time from now on what's going to happen. Um, yep. So, um, but yeah, at around 3.05, I believe it said, like right after he had followed her in there and, and it's just he and Colleen in the bathroom, a girl went in there to use the bathroom and she saw a pile of clothes on the ground and somebody's pants like down and it was him because he was doing stuff to her. Um. So she didn't say anything. She just left to the bathroom. That is, I wonder what she feels like after Probably horrible. Like what happened. Right. The outcome of everything. Yeah. Um, student recounts last moments of Colleen Ritzer's life. I came to WCVB.com again. This is from November of 2015. Um, on the stand Thursday was one of the last people to talk with Richard before her death. I was just telling her how she was just such a nice person, said a now 16-year-old junior. The student who was a freshman at the time of the slaying also told jurors that she was with her 24-year-old math teacher after school along with Chisholm, whom she testified looked angry while ta- talking with Ritzer. Honestly, I didn't. he didn't seem really happy. He didn't seem like he wanted to be here. He didn't seem like he was in a good mood, she said. Minutes later, persecutors say Chisholm followed this teacher into the bathroom. 
And yeah, and then he put her, yes, okay. He was struggling with it. Um, testified another student who witnessed Chisholm with the container. I saw him a good five minutes in the woods. Oh, God. Ritzer's body was found hours later along with blood-soaked jeans, socks, and bloody gloves, all of which prosecutors say Chisholm was wearing. A note reading, I hate you all, was also found nearby. And jurors also heard the testimony of the school custodian who, because of a language barrier, used his floor cleaner to clean up the bloody bathroom, which he described as a slaughterhouse. Only small amounts of blood and a piece of Ritzer's jewelry, a diamond stud earring, was left behind. So, yeah, he just cleaned the bathroom like he was supposed to do, I guess. I don't know. Either way, though, like, they had the footage. Like, he was going to go to jail regardless. Right, right. Exactly. It's just so messed up how it's all documented. It's chilling. Um so yeah, um, what else was I gonna bring up during this whole thing? Oh yes, um, so her family and the faculty and her community—they just loved her so much. So there's still an active website called ColleenRitzer.org, C-O-L-L-E-E-N-R-I-T-Z-E-R.org, and there is a memorial fund set up for several different things. Um, you can click through. And uh, the first page, it says, like, Colleen's passion and dreams, and it talks about her and what she loved to do and things like that. So it's about her, but then there's a lot of foundations through this website under her name. So she is definitely being memorialized to this day. Uh, Let me see here. Yeah, so that is just so chilling to not see that coming at all. He's just a 14-year-old kid. He just seems kind of moody. No big red flags. Uh, They did have a warrant to search his apartment to see if he had like any drawings or notes of any kind of premeditated writing or anything like that, but I don't think they found anything. I think he was just waiting for the right time and he he just did everything in one day like that. Just horrible. And when he stole that knife, I don't know what he was intending to do after that. He probably didn't even know either. Right. Ugh. I don't know. Uh, I used Boston25news.com. I used CNN.com, WCVB.com, and uh, ColleenRitzer.org. I used All That's Interesting and NewYorkTimes.com for for this and then a little bit of Daily Mail and stuff, as I mentioned. But yeah, the details are always so like gruesome and I don't like when it's just inaccurate and just gruesome for the sake of it, for like yeah. um, shock value or whatever. So the state of her body wasn't like a big thing that I really wanted to, to linger on, but just how he could do that and try to say, like, I didn't know, you know, like, I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. He wrote a note and everything, like, get real. Stay locked up forever. Child or no child. Like, if you're evil, you're evil. You cannot be brutalizing people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just horrible. Uh, and so, yeah, the the school uh, went through a hard time for a long time, too. Did you ever have any teachers pass away at your school when you were growing up? Um. One of our counselors killed his wife and then himself. Gosh. It was one of my friend's uh, dads or his parents. Oh, my goodness. 
Yeah. Wow. So then the whole school heard about it or it was like in the news? And we loved him. Weird. Yeah, Mr. Pinawa. Whoa, that is weird. Yeah. Well, um, my one of our office ladies, she was very good friends with my mom. Bless her heart. She was such a nice lady. She had a heart attack eating dinner one night. Shut your mouth. That is and she so had a baby. She hey. had just had a baby. So she left behind her few months old baby and her husband. And it's just, it was so sudden and so tragic. So yeah, the whole school, like the kids were all crying at school. They had made an announcement. It was a whole thing. And she is still mourned to this day. Like my mom had started hanging out with her and stuff too. She was a sweet lady. Um, But yeah, it's so, it's weird whenever that kind of stuff happens at school and you're not so close. Like it's not like it's your aunt or something, but it's still like, oh my gosh. Yeah. They're just gone. Yeah. It's weird. It is weird. Um, very sad. Uh, so yeah, that that was Colleen Ritzer's devastating murder. And hopefully, you know, school surveillance is taken more seriously. There have been such crazy videos of like kids getting violent with each other and like getting violent with teachers. And te- what can teachers even do? Word. What could she have done? Mm. Like maybe she was afraid to fight back. Or, you know, she thought she could talk him down while she's, he's standing there with a box cutter. Like, who knows? I mean, I'm sure she didn't want to. Or maybe she, I hate to talk about it this way, but like if she, you know, gave him what he wanted and then he just still killed her anyway. Like, ugh. Because if her throat was slit from behind, who knows? Like, if he really just surprised her or what. Yeah. Um, it's a horror movie, honestly. Hell Yeah. In real life, though, just, ugh. but yeah, so, um, so hopefully he stays in prison and, and they never leave him where he has access to a woman ever again, because he's has something in his brain that it goes after the same situations. It seems like after mm-hmm. not even sentenced yet. And he's, he was already committing more crimes, but yeah. Um, hopefully that woman gets a different job because Jesus, <laughs> Uh, yeah, okay, I would well, definitely never want to be a fucking CEO again. Oof. Man. But yeah, they there are always, you know, hopeful people that want to rehabilitate young young people like this, but it's very scary, very scary stuff. Mm-hmm. So kudos to them. Well, guys, that was this week's case. Um, let us know what you think over on our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Gimme the Creeps. Don't forget to share this podcast with your family and friends if they also like discussing crime and um thank you guys all once again for all of your support happy spring happy birthday to miss daniela thank you thank you and we will catch you guys next week with something spooky so did we give you the creeps <laughs>